They took to the streets in their tens of thousands, marching against the government. For weeks now, people from across the political spectrum have been holding massive demonstrations in Paris and other cities across France. They say they want President Emmanuel Macron to resign. The scenes of people storming the streets wearing neon yellow safety vests is unlike anything France has seen in generations. It's been mostly peaceful, but a small minority have torched cars, looted businesses, and attacked police. It all started as a revolt against a fuel tax, but now it's morphed into a nationwide movement against Macron and a system that protesters say is stacked against them. Economic anxieties are, in part, fueling this anger. But far-right groups in France seem to be jumping on board with their own ideas. That includes a pro-white, nationalist, anti-immigration agenda. I'm Ibtiaz Tayeb, and this is The Take. And our story this week is about the far right in France. And it starts just over a year and a half ago, when French voters were in the final round of choosing a new president. Marine Le Pen is positioning herself as the anti-elite, anti-establishment presidential candidate in this election. She says that French voters are simply fed up of traditional politics and politicians. Marine Le Pen's far right National Front Party did not win, but they managed to score an unprecedented one third of the vote. And that success at the polls caught the attention of Al Jazeera's investigative unit. Al Jazeera's investigative unit exposes links between one of France's largest political parties, led by Marine Le Pen, and a movement demanding the expulsion of Muslims from Europe. What we were particularly interested in was the rise of the far right, these groups on the fringe who are not part of mainstream political parties, but are, have a sort of growing influence in France and growing membership. David Harrison is a senior investigative journalist for Al Jazeera English. He's reported from around 80 countries and has done investigations on nearly every continent, including into far right groups. And the second part was really the interface between uh, these groups and the mainstream National Front or National Rally Party. What was, what was actually going on? What was the relationship between these groups? And we actually, um, we started this because um, Marine Le Pen was very successful in the early rounds of the presidential elections. And if you remember, she got to the final runoff with Emmanuel Macron and she won, it was 10 million votes or something. Now, that's a huge number of votes in, in, in any country and certainly in, in France. So it shows there is a huge groundswell of, of support for her after the, the, the parliamentary elections in which they didn't do as well as many had thought they would after her success in the uh, relative success in the presidential election. She had a sort of clean out and she kicked out anybody who'd been accused of or had shown, behaved in a way that could be described as racist, violent or anti-Semitic. So she was out to clean up the party, polish its image, attract more middle-of-the-road voters. So we're looking at the National Front, where it is, what its policies are. And secondly, this group, we identified one called Generation Identity, which uh, espouses uh, um, views that are much further to the right. Now, Generation Identity was founded about five, six years ago in France and has since spread to several countries, Austria, Italy, UK, Germany. Uh, but its, home, its heart is very much in France. Now, it's, 
influence is 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 growing. The membership is is growing fast. They've staged various sort of high level publicity stunts, so they're getting headlines. Um, and they produced for the the elections last year. They produced a thirty page document in which they outlined their key policies. And at the heart of this was what they call remigration, which is this idea to to send back immigrants to their countries or the countries of their ancestors. We thought if we could get inside that organisation, that would be a great way of exposing them and also establishing exactly what their links were with the National Front. How do you investigate a far right group which is advocating for something called remigration, which is essentially essentially sending millions of people back to countries like Morocco or Tunisia? How do you do an investigation on a group who? may not necessarily want to talk to journalists, certainly not to journalists belonging to a news organization called Al Jazeera. What we decided to do, we knew that we had to get somebody on the inside. So we, 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 we searched high and low, and we eventually found somebody who fitted the bill, was willing to do it, capable of doing it, because it's a tough old thing to blend in to film secretly and to do it over... He did it for a period of six months. I mean, the investigation overall was about a year, but the the infiltration, the undercover um, uh, investigation into generation identity was six months. We found someone who did it. Tell us about him. Who, who is he? Well, I can't obviously can't identify him because he, he's going to be a, a, a sought after man um, when when the documentary comes out, and he's currently under protection. Um, he's a young man um, who was willing to do this for us, and um, I, mean, I can't really say much about him, obviously, because we don't want to identify him in any way. You've called him Louis uh, in the film, uh, and we see some grainy footage. A lot of it happens to be in bars, (laughs) a lot of sitting around drinking and chain smoking. Um, Tell us a little bit about uh, what sort of material you started seeing coming in from Louis as he got closer and closer to these people who are part of this group. It's interesting that you mentioned the bar because, in fact, the, the bar called the Citadel in Lille is the headquarters of Generation Identity's Flanders branch. So that is the, the, it's the key hub. It's where they hold meetings, they discuss politics, discuss strategy. Uh, so Louis managed to get in. He was accepted, um, was a regular at the Citadel. And he filmed, he filmed all sorts of things. He filmed conversations that took place inside the Citadel. Uh, he went out with them onto the street, into other bars. He filmed... Uh, in bars where other activists were bragging about how they would beat up other, usually Arabic youths, Arab-speaking youths, um, you know, carrying out racist attacks. Um, he filmed them also talking about how they, one activist who went to uh, went to Germany and bragged about how he was Sikh heiling in the street and, and, and uh, daubing swastikas in bars. Sikh heiling the Nazi salute. Yeah, giving the Nazi salute um, and, and insulting Arabs and making sort of you know, racial slurs. Who's part of the GI? Uh, we meet a lot of men um, of a certain age, sort of, you know, 20s, 30s, that sort of thing. Uh, but we also meet a woman in this film as well. Describe to me who is part of the GI and, and is there a spectrum here? It is predominantly a youth movement. Um, and what's, again, interesting and rather curious in, is that in France, it's, it's gathering momentum among young people, people in their 20s and 30s. And you see the, the young woman that you refer to there, Chloe Gialmoni. She, she discusses the, the, the ideology of the group and she talks about how it, their aim is to get into the National Front and influence National Front policy. Let's talk about the National Front. Marine Le Pen, very close to being president. Uh, millions and millions of votes. Walk us through when it comes to policy and 
philosophy. What does this far-right group, the GI, have in common with the National Front Party? Well, I think they, they all agree that there's something called French culture and, and French identity. Well, in fact, more broadly, they see it as a European identity. And they are convinced that that identity is white, essentially white, and Christian. Um, and, and this is shared by across the, the spectrum of the right. Where they, where they differ is the more extreme elements want more extreme measures to establish that. I want to play a little bit of tape from the doc, uh, from your investigation. It's a pretty shocking bit. Let's listen. Uh, and David, you can tell us what we're hearing here. What we've got to hear is, is, is a group of, of the far-right activists who are out on the town, who are out for a night out in, in, in Lille. And they're outside a bar in, in the main kind of party area of the city. And um, a couple of young girls get into a, a, an argument with them. These are big guys, and here they are uh, in an argument with, you know, young teenage women. And they're throwing out insults about Mecca and Islam and uh, just uh, abusing them generally verbally. And then one of them, and he's a chap called Remy Faliz, who we see a lot at the Citadel, is close to the guy who, who leads the GI group in, um, in Lille. And he suddenly starts to punch the girl on the head several times. Um, and it's, it's just quite an extraordinary scene. And it just shows there's a kind of gratuitous violence here and a, and a contempt uh, for people who are just a little bit different from them. How, how dangerous are they? Well, we filmed attacks on the street. We hear them talking about uh, the, the, their manifesto, manifesto says that uh, this is a, it's a declaration of war. They are at war with Muslims and, and, and uh, fighting against mass immigration. And they do see it as, as, as a conflict. They see Muslims as the enemy um, that, that have to be resisted. Um, they, they are concerned about the spread of Islam as if it somehow threatens what they perceive to be a European identity. And this is where the, the word identity, identitarianism comes from. Their idea is that you know, Europe has an identity which is essentially white and Christian and that this is threatened by the, the arrival of, of, of non-Christians and, and people who, who happen to have a, a different religious faith. You know, France is a relatively diverse place by Western European standards. About 12% of the population is non-white. About 5% of the population is Muslim. Uh, And most of these people, you know, they came a long time ago. Parents or grandparents did, you know, from former colonies like Morocco, Tunisia, Algeria. But France seems to have this really uneasy relationship with its own diversity. And in recent years, we've seen a series of ISIL-inspired attacks across France. So how has that impacted or influenced the far right? Um, France has, has suffered, I mean, as, as have other European countries. You know, we had the Bataclan, we had Nice, um, you know, the Charlie Hebdo uh, attacks. And, and of course, this is very fertile territory for the far right because this this sort of plays into their hands in a sense because they can then conflate those people with all Muslims and and any and or the whole Islamic world, which is which is a, you know objective. It's quite an insane proposition, but they do this. And terrorist attacks make people afraid, and they make people afraid of those who are different and have different values. And the far right panders to this and and whips this up. Okay, uh, I want to play another piece of Louis' hidden camera tape. Uh, he's in the Citadel bar, and he's face-to-face with Remy, the guy who punched the young woman in the street. And he's saying some pretty disturbing stuff. 
Mais quoi, le jour où je sais que j'ai une maladie incurable, mec, je m'achète une arme. Yeah, what he's saying here is is that he's he's expressing a desire to get a car and drive it into a to, to drive it into a mosque, or he names a, a market that he knows which is popular with Muslims. And he says that you know if he had a terminal illness and he knew he didn't have long to live, that's what he would do. He would get into the car and drive it and ram it into a, into a mosque, trying to basically carry out killing people indiscriminately. Um, and he says if he survived and the police didn't kill him, then he'd get up, he'd do it again. I mean, this sounds like an ISIS-inspired attack. Well, it's extraordinary because here are people saying that, um, often conflating Muslims with, with, with terrorists. I mean, somehow suggesting that, that, you know, all Muslims are dangerous because they're all potential terrorists. I mean, a ludicrous notion. Um, but, you know, his solution to these so-called uh, terrorists is to carry out an act of terrorism. It, it just seems, it, it, that just shows the kind of, that's the sort of logic that they espouse. I mean, you've seen hours and hours of this tape, um, hours of footage of Remy, how much is this a bunch of guys sitting around in a bar having drinks saying a bunch of crazy stuff? Or how much is this actually something he believes in and could potentially do? I mean, you're quite right in the sense that guys sitting around in a bar may well be bragging a little bit and exaggerating a little bit. But don't forget, it's the same guy we've just seen insult and punch, uh, deliver punches to the head of, of, of a teenage girl. The, the man is clearly clearly um, has a penchant predilection for violence. That's absolutely clear. What's interesting, though, having watched um, your film, is that as an organization, the GI appears to try to hide its more extreme elements and its more extreme behavior from the wider public. Uh, They seem very aware that they need to keep their public image sort of clean, for lack of a better word. So uh, no photos in the bar, for instance. Um, The leadership seems to be saying that they want to get rid of people, you know, who are violent or, you know, who have to do Nazi salutes in the streets. But do you think that's true? There's a lot of evidence in the film that they talk violent and they act violent, but they are very, very concerned about their public image. They give themselves a veneer of respectability, but that's that's all it is. I mean, the leader of the GI branch in Lille has a string of convictions for violence. So uh, Louis spends more time with Generation Identity and its boss in Lille. Uh, who does he meet and what does he tell him? He meets, uh, he meets lots of people, but the key figure that he meets is a fellow called Aurelien Verhassel. He is the leader of the Generation Identity Group in in Lille, and he runs the bar called the Citadel, which is the hub where they they all meet. Generation Identity has all their meetings to discuss political strategy and drink and make racial remarks and tell exchange tales of violence against uh, Muslims. And um, so, but A.V. is, as, as they call him, Aurelien Verhassel is the key figure in all of this because he not only leads that group there, but he also, it is claimed, and he claims to have very strong links with the NF. It's even claimed that he helps to recruit people from genera- Generation Identity to work for uh, the National Front group in a regional council. There's a scene from the documentary that really shows Aurelian's strategy of dressing up the group's far-right beliefs in acceptable clothing, so to speak. And I want to play that tape. So in this scene, Aurelian is meeting with these far-right militia members who've paid a visit to the Citadel bar. And he's telling them, look, anybody can do the Nazi salute in the street, 
but that doesn't get you power. He says, they want to make gestures, we want power. We adapt ourselves, we don't betray ourselves. The goal is to win. We must be hard in the content, but flexible in the form. We use the internet, modern systems of communication, while holding on to the ideas we've always had. It's, it's absolutely clear that this is not simply a group of thugs. I mean, they are, we've seen, they use violence, they are racist. But what he's, uh, what he's uh, talking about there is a political strategy. And it's a strategy that involves doing whatever is necessary to get power. We don't betray ourselves. They will adapt and do whatever it takes to, 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 to gain influence and get the National Front into power. But they, they're not a political party. What he's, he says, <clears throat> he says that they are, they're there to influence. They want their ideas to be, to be pushed out there. But what you see is a very carefully calculated strategy there. This is not just a bunch of, of far-right thugs who are sort of, you know, shooting off from the mouth. Uh, there is some hard political thinking going on here as well. He describes uh, generation identity as a modern form of fascism. Wow, a modern form of fascism. Yeah, that's the phrase he uses. Um, and he says they use all sort of modern technology, modern forms of communication to get their message out there. So there's, there's a, a cold, clear strategy here. In the film, uh, you show some connections between the GI group in Lille and the National Front Party. Like we said, Aurelian and some other GI members say they work for the party in various official capacities. And then later, you actually film National Front members in the bar talking about arming themselves for civil war, uh, agreeing and sympathizing with the GI, even saying Marine Le Pen won't let us say this stuff. So is there any public-facing sort of official ties between these two groups, or is it all very quiet and very behind closed doors? It is essentially behind closed doors, um, and particularly given you know, Marine Le Pen's efforts to, 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 to polish the image of her party. She does not want to be linked with people with, with extremist views. She's trying to get votes from people who have never voted for the National Front before, but are so disenchanted with the socialists, with, with Macron, that, that they, she wants to attract them. She said at the last Congress, they're, they're trying to, they're aiming to get into power. And they know that they can't get into power if they haven't got the, the more centrist voters. The problem is that within the National Front, there are lots of people who are very, very identitarian. On the right of the party, they're very close. We, we see it in our film, they're very close to the people like the people, organisations like Generation Identity. Do you have a thought on, on why young French people are so inclined to support these groups? I, I think in part it's because they are whipped up by the far right. But I, I do think there are also some issues that, should, that do need to be addressed. I mean, governments can't be complacent about this. If so many people are concerned about levels of immigration, for example, then they need to explain. They need to address these issues and, and be a bit more open about it and you know, talk to these people and discuss these problems. They basically, they have to listen and explain more. You've taken your investigation's findings, which is this connection between the National Front uh, and the GI, to the National Front, to Marine Le Pen. What did she say to you? 
Well, Marine Le Pen says that she has made great efforts to kick out all people who've been racist or violent. That was part of her response. She also said that uh, Verhassel has never um, written speeches or worked for in any way for, for the National Front. Uh, so, yeah, so essentially she's saying she doesn't, this person has nothing to do with the National Front, but our evidence would suggest otherwise. I want to take it back to where this conversation started, which is the scenes we're seeing across France, these massive protests, uh, extraordinary violence in these protests as well. Everything you've learned in this investigation, everything you know about the GI, the National Front, the sort of groups that have infiltrated this this very legitimate protest movement in France, how are you viewing what's going on in the streets, now knowing what you know with this investigation? I think on the one hand, I can understand the reason for the protests. Um, I feel that, you know, Macron is slightly out of touch. He's tried to impose this the, these tax rises, which a lot of people, ordinary people, including many people who've never been on a demonstration before in their lives, but they're, they're angry about it. They object to this. So they are, they are resisting it. But then on the other hand, you have got these fringe groups who want to turn it into something violent and, and something more extreme. And it's 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 very very difficult now i suspect the majority of people are not those extremists but they do get a disproportionate amount of the coverage because they're the ones that cause the violence set fire to cars and that's what gets the tv cameras there that's what gets the media attention what's your thoughts on what this all means for france it's going through some very challenging times playing out on the streets we now have the extreme far right gaining influence or at least trying to gain influence what do you think this means for the future of france it's a very difficult thing for France. They, 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 uh, they have got this big, big um, immigrant population and you, you sort of feel that France hasn't coped with it very, very well. You know, you see in Paris, uh, the immigrants pushed out to the suburbs and every now and again the tinderbox kind of explodes and then it's quashed and then it's allowed to build up again. And I think they've just got to do so much more in terms of integration um, and just doing more to counter these right-wing groups, these far-right groups, who are actually whipping up hatred. David, thank you. Thank you. French media were quick to pick up on the Al Jazeera investigation, Generation Hate, from the day it first aired. Under particular scrutiny, the Citadel Bar, the main meeting place for Generation Identity in Lille. The city's mayor is calling for its closure, saying she was horrified by what she saw in the documentary. You can watch part one of Generation Hate by tuning into Al Jazeera English or by going to aljazeera.com. Part two of the investigation goes deeper into the connections between Marine Le Pen's political party and Generation Identity. It airs on Sunday. That's it for us this week on The Take. If you're looking for a daily news update, check out Al Jazeera's podcast, Your World. It's available every day from 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time on smart speakers or wherever you listen. And we want to hear from you. Click the link in the episode description on whatever podcast app you're using. It'll take you to a short survey where you can tell us what you think. This episode was produced by me, Imtiaz Tayeb, Morgan Waters, and Kiana Mogadam, with help from Jasmine Bayumi. The show's lead producer is Graylin Bashir. The sound designer is Meredith Hodgenot. Special thanks to David Harrison, Phil Rees, and the rest of the Al Jazeera investigative unit. We'll be back next week.